Welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast. Uh, I'm Jack Ricks, and I'm joined today by Ollie Marriage. Hello, Jack. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah, good, good. You'll notice we're not joined by anyone else. It's just the two of us. But honestly, Ollie could do this one on his own. This is, <laughs> this is that time we, and it's Ollie's story, it's a sensational piece of um, self-sacrifice. Stupidity. Stupidity is a much better word for it. <laughs> stupidity, which is at the root of all good Top Gear features, yeah. Yeah, as we yeah. know. Um, start with stupidity, get vague permission mm. and and off you go got lots of permissions yeah, yeah. no you got no, i was Surprise. i was i was just rereading was yeah. <laughs> this feature and i was like you properly yeah you had you had sort yeah. of chaperones mm. access you know yeah. amazing none of them should have said yes yeah exactly so this is yeah. um i think we're still working on the title but it's uh, that time we um, i'll tell you what tell you what let me start we'll start it this way yeah if i was to ask you where in the world has the world's worst weather where would you reckon Oh, it's going to be. Well, it depends. Where would you think it was? I like know you Siberia. Know, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, I, I would have thought right. It's Himalayas, Antarctica, Siberia, or something. Yeah, yeah. But no, officially, the home of the world's worst weather is a mountain in New Hampshire, <laughs> in the northeast of America. Well, that sounds like where Which wealthy so... Americans go for sort of exactly. Holidays. So I, when I found this out. It was, I was like, oh my God, it's so hyperbolic of the Americans. They're just saying this is a, work, the weather's terrible there. But, but actually, how do you define worst? Well, they define it as the um, greatest wind chill and wind speed. They just sort of do it through uh, that. Consistently cold, so consistently for, fast winds. Exactly. Yeah. So it did for a very long time. I think it's only been beaten in a, in a hurricane. Have the... Um, the highest wind speed at ground level of 231 mile an hour winds Whoa. blow over the top of Mount Washington. That's it's really hypercar. It's yeah, hypercar wind. It's hypercar wind. <laughs> um, so we, the story was driving a Subaru to the summit of Mount Washington in winter. In summer, that there's a road that goes up Mount Washington. It's much like Pikes Peak mm-hmm. or any other hill mountain with a road to the top. Um, there is a road to the top, and they have they have they have bike races, running races, and car races. There's a famous hill climb that does that goes up the Mount Washington Auto Road, um, but that's all in summer. And so, and it turns out Subaru sponsor the observatory at the top of the mm-hmm. at the top of the mountain, which I is mean, at I can 2, imagine meters. I can think of more visible places to put your branding than yeah, at the yeah, top, of, the the top mountain of the mountain with the in winter. winter. <laughs> Although yes. to be honest, they got the exposure in Top Gear magazine. They did. So. They did. Well done. Well, it's funny. It was it was Subaru America who have pots of money, um, and because of Subaru is huge in America, mm. and they came to us because they had some ideas for the TV show, which included one that we never did, but we nearly did for the TV show years ago, which was to drive along. I think it's. It was one of the uh, St. Lawrence for a Seaway or something in Canada, which freezes over in winter. We were going to drive along it in winter. Anyway, that was one of the ideas they pitched to me. And this was the other one. And I said, I'm not sure it works for the TV, but it will work for us. Um, so I went over there with photographer Justin Layton. And the idea was to drive a Subaru WRX STI to the summit 
in winter. Now, it had taken quite a lot of persuasion for them to say yes to this, for Subaru to say yes to this, for the auto road to say yes to it, the observatory, the local roads authority, all these people had to say yes. But once one person said yes, which I think from memory was the guy who ran the auto road, who's sort of in charge of the road up to the summit, once he said yes and Subaru said yes, all the other pieces fell into place. And they probably shouldn't have done because (laughs) it was a bit daft. And uh, long story short, we didn't actually... Well, we made it to the summit, but not under Subaru power, um, as will become clear. But yeah, so the story was basically, can you drive this car to the summit? You just change the rules. I made it myself. (laughs) And the car physically got to the summit mm-hmm. um but yeah we thought can we drive this car to the summit of the world's worst weather in winter time so we did it in march um and usually the snow doesn't melt until may june time so it was it was pretty hostile and we'd driven up and you drive up from boston it's like two hours north of boston up to into new hampshire and you pull up and it and new hampshire is one of those states it's very cozy and blanketed and it's quite it's the sort of place I wrote in the story that you imagine having people cooking apple pies and leaving them out on the windowsills it's that sort of thing it's very twee Um, and then you get so we got to the bottom of the auto road the day before we were due to do it and Justin and I got out of the car and I remember looking up and going it's because it was clear and but you could just see some clouds blowing over the summit and you went ah that's all right. I, I think, you know, I'm going to have a difficulty with this because this isn't going to be nearly as adventurous as I thought it was. And then in the background, it, was, it took us a few seconds and then we went, hang on, what's that noise? And the summit is, you know, five or six miles away, up, up way up there. It's at, we were at like four, 500 metres in the valley and up the summit, it's over 1,900. And you go, what's that noise? And you work out it's the wind blowing over the summit. And those aren't clouds you're seeing. That is snow being blown off the summit <laughs> and this huge tr- vapour trails of spin drift coming yeah. off it for miles in behind it. And it, t- it turns out that that area of northeastern America picks up all the wind that have funneled up the Appalachians that sweep down off the Rockies in middle mm-hmm. and it all is funneled into this area of northeastern America. Sort of Venturi Tunnel. Yeah, exactly. All funneled yeah. in. And then that where the, where Mount Washington is, the mountains drop except for Mount Washington. And Mount Washington sits like this peak, like an umbrella tip shoved up into the sky. And they just come howling across. And I think it's like three days out of four, they have gale force winds up there. In the observatory, the mid-speed wind indicator ran up to 140 miles an hour, and that and was the mid-speed. Just, does that count as that gale? counts as that counts that as counts gale? As gale. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a gale. You got some gale. But anyway, so we arrived there the day before, and it was all. It's like, oh my god, what have we let ourselves in for? And the next morning, when we got there, and we met the crew because we needed. Um, we needed support to get us to the summit because they'd never had a car drive to the summit in winter before because what normally happens is the observatory of the summit is permanently manned by a team of three or four people. Three or four very lonely. Very lonely people. people. And they, I think they were up there for like three weeks stints. And But they needed, I think it was a, every other week they needed, or maybe it is every three weeks, they needed delivery of supplies up. And what they use, they just basically use um, snow cats, you know, those like peace bashing machines. Yeah to get to the summit is seven miles, I think, from the base up to the summit. And they just use those. So when I'd said, can we take a car up? And they'd said, yes. Then we, it was like, oh, they said, right, okay, okay. We can Let's give it a go. Here. Yeah, yeah, we can, we'll take yeah. some supplies up. Yeah. Which, so I did. Um, which we'll, get, we'll come on to that as well. The, um, 
So they, we had to prep, prep the car down at the base, which basically involved, involved taking off the winter tyres and putting a set of studded snow tyres yep. on it, dropping the tyre pressures down, and then meeting our support crew. So I had a guy in the car with me. There was a guy on a snowmobile who was leading the way because then the snowmobile would be able to see what the, if, what the road was like. And then behind us, we had one of the peace bashers which just looked like a transformer. It, has, it was a great big thing with a great yellow box on the back for like, so you could take people up and down yeah. in it as well. So there, it was a weird little convoy of snowmobile, Subaru and Peace Basher. Mm. But it was, it was great. So the idea was we'll just drive as far as we can and we'll get on up. And initially, it's all right because, you know, you're down amongst the trees. It's, you're in the lee of the mountain, so you're not sort of exposed to it so much. And it's just, yeah, it's like driving up Pike's Peak. And at this point, you're still thinking, uh, we might have to ham this up a bit to, to, get, exactly. to get a story yeah, yeah. here. So yeah. we'd put, Justin had taken one for the team and decided what he'd do is sit on the snowmobile facing backwards so he could get some action shots and some tracking of the Subaru as we were driving up. And so you know, within a mile, I suppose, I got a bit carried away and decided, well, to ham it up for the camera a bit, what I'll do is I'll just chuck the Subaru a, a bit car. around the corners. It's a, it's it's a rally car. <laughs> And what that meant is within about 30 seconds of me deciding that, I'd managed to bury it in a snowdrift. Because what you don't see when you're driving on the road is that it's been, it's been compacted a bit on the main track by the Peace Basher going up and down. But as soon as you come off it, that snow is really soft and it just sucks you in. So you come off it slightly offline, you go, shunk, and it just pulls you into a snowbank. At least bank. that's your story and that's you're sticking my, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I won't even bother <laughs> sticking to it later on because it got, it got a bit more jeopardy than that. <laughs> So we managed to, we had to get the peace bash out to catch up. Did you, any pull damage us out. to the car or just, just a no. sort of soft no, little? It was just literally, it was the softest lovely woof little, oh, into oh, a snowbank. Lovely little crash. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Mm. So, um, and then you continue. But what it's, you get to the, so we'd made, we made decent progress, like getting to the halfway point. Absolutely fine. But there's a lot of snow around. And it's and it gets deeper and deeper, obviously, as you get higher and higher. So is it up. being bashed in front of you? No, no. It had been bashed sort of by having cars go up, by having the peace basher go up yeah, and yeah, taking yeah. supplies up and down sort of over the previous weeks. How often stuff. do you say they they go up? And I think supply? it's every two, once every three weeks, oh, two or three weeks. Three weeks. But of... I think they do. But they probably do some work to keep the road yeah. open and bashed anyway. Yeah. So they know that once every three weeks they're not mm-hmm. dealing with fifteen foot of snow or something. <laughs> they've got to get through. Um, but for the car, it was quite challenging. It was slipping around, and, and that's, I think it's at like a 12% average gradient for seven miles. It's a really st- it's a steep road, mm-hmm. and it's, you start going, A, uphill, B, you're losing traction, the studs aren't really helping, and you do that thing initially of thinking, well, the first mile, I did that in like four or five minutes. This is yeah, easy, yeah. no problem at all. And then, of course, it gets steeper, the wind starts to pick up, you're more exposed, the trees start to drop away, and then you start the car starts wheel spinning, and you've done. You've it's got you know you've got the center diff locked and stuff, but it's making no odds really, yeah, and it's yeah. just and your, your rate of progress starts I was to drop say, was away. The car, uh, I mean, a lovely that this is a you're driving a WRX mm. STI in period when it was. I think this was new. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's t- 10 years ago, no, yeah. 2014. Oh, it's it's making me feel nostalgic just yeah. seeing that car in a feature. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's got to be pretty much the perfect car for the job, really, short of, you know, yes, because a defender it, on Exactly, on because it's not heavy, so it's not going to mm. 
bash into into the soft snow too much. So it's not like that. It's it's smaller, which meant when we got higher up and the winds were so vicious, it's not exposing so much sort yeah, of yeah, flank to the wind. Um, so it should have been, and it's got you know it's a very good four wheel drive system. It's it just you know proper rally car you know, it out. does it properly. Yeah, um, but even so, you so your wheel spinning, you're starting to go. Mm. We wheel spinning, starting to lose traction. Um, then we got embedded again, I think. And it, the the bigger problem was that outside it was getting really quite hostile. Justin was getting really cold. I suppose he had like three sets of gloves on, but it got a it's windy and b I think the temperature at the bottom was like minus 15 celsius or minus nine celsius and as soon as you start coming up that temperature drops and drops and drops and of course he's being quite static on the on the back of a snowmobile not doing very much yeah anyways cut that story that story short basically we worked out that we'd have to let the peace basher lead because it was it was it was the only way because if we did get properly stuck on somewhere where he couldn't get the peace basher past us He'd never be able to tow us up. We'd, yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, only yeah. be able to tow us back, and actually that was going to make more of a mess of the tracks. So he'd have to go first. But, of course, when you put that over, it chomps the snow and makes it even softer. So, actually, we lasted about has half they, a mile behind that. Has it got the, sort of the, the lovely rubber mat that sort of No, it didn't it. have that. It had, the bash, it had the plow at the front and those big, those massively wide sort of metal tracks, which were just chomping it. Yeah, yeah. So we lasted about 100 metres behind that, and then it just went bogged again, and they'd pull <laughs> us a bit, and then it would bog again. So, but every time, of course, we got, we had to get pulled. It was, it was, a, it was, initially, it was fine. You just went out and hooked on. But the next few times, you know, the snow's getting softer and deeper, the wind's blowing harder. It became harder and harder. We were trying to, we'd try to reduce the tyre pressures, all this sort of thing, and it was becoming more physical effort to just get out of the car and do things mm -hmm. than it had been before. So in the, we worked on a place, I think it's called Five Mile Drive or something. There was a bit of the track where they said, right, we'll just have to stick you on a tow rope along here and pull you across it because we know the snow here is 16 feet deep. I mean, it's it's like four meters deep and you're not, and you're completely exposed. You know, the, the, it's just where all the snow billows over and just drops and mm -hmm. stays on the mountain. So we'll pull you across this bit and then you should be able to do some driving afterwards. Anyway, you're, you're basically like a water skier behind the snowplow and it's very difficult to to steer the because steering the steering's not really doing yeah. very much in the soft stuff so it's you start sort of slow slewing from one side to the other and it's like oh my god i don't know how to do this because you accelerate i can't brake yeah because that's not doing much i can't accelerate that's not doing anything mm. the steering's not doing much you just feel like you're just sort of like a sledge being towed behind the behind the piece try and keep your front wheel straight is about as good as you exactly can do. you're yeah. using them as rudders in the snow yeah. really and it, it, there was just this momentum that built up and we were on the radio going, you might need to slow down, might need to slow down. And it was just too late. And this, it, it, one of the slews took us from sort of right to left and up onto the snowbank on the outside, which had an enormous, Ugh. huge, huge <laughs> drop. I mean, huge drop the other side. And there is a picture of the car sort of embedded on it. It doesn't really quite give you a... Um, 
an idea of the of the je- jeopardy that I certainly felt like was involved. But yeah, you can find, just so everyone's aware, you can find this story online. If you just go onto Google and type in Top Gear Subaru Mount Washington, um, the story's the story you can was find the story it? online. That's it, yeah. Oh. That's where the car's sort of embedded in the in the bank. And it was, I got out of that and thought, oh, it's not too far down to the snow and jumped down. But of course, I sank up to beyond my waist yeah. in the snow and then just couldn't do anything. And it was, oh, it was quite anyway we had to get we got towed across this whole stretch we had to get the car towed back out there you thought wearing shorts and t-shirt was a bad idea (laughs) i was in seven layers (laughs) seven layers inside the car (laughs) but what we so we did and just at this stage we'd stuck him in the back of the peace basher in that sort of box on the back because it allowed him to get shots of the car behind and also to warm up because he'd got really cold and it's interesting the cold didn't he actually got frost nip on his nose from having the camera pressed against his face Mm. the camera back stuck to his nose and when he took the camera down of course it pulled some of the skin off his nose and his hands got really cold even inside the gloves and all this sort of thing but it wasn't just that what you noticed is that the the cold starts to affect your mental acuity as well and you just you really struggle to do tasks not just physically but your brain struggles to keep up and it the temperature dropped really low it, was like it got down to like minus 20 minus mm. 25 and the wind was really aggressive um and justin was making slightly weird decisions because he because he obviously as me as the driver the journalist i was in the car all the time i had the air conditioning mm. or the heating turned right up and it was all right he having to get in and out was make starting to make slightly strange decisions you know he'd been in the back then he got in the car with me um, and it, it was it was quite strange to watch. So he said, "I need to get a different lens from the from the boot." So like, right, okay. So let's pull over here because we've managed to get the car rolling again. Let's pull over here and stop, and then you can do that. But of course, the wind's now blowing so fast that when we open the car doors, they just nearly slam back on their hinges. The yeah. wind just absolutely ripped them out of our hands. Yeah. And then he went to open the boot, and when he opened the boot, of course, everything that was in the boot that was light enough, yeah. all the paperwork and everything else just went boof and was scattered <laughs> to the four winds. So, like, hotel room keys, yeah, receipts, yeah. everything else just went foomph. <laughs> it was like a little, just been puffed out, and this, everything went everywhere. Justin fell over and smashed the lens on his camera. Yeah. I remember that. Um... And then, yeah, but we had, so it became one of those things where we thought, oh my God, we're going to really struggle to, with this, that became, to sort of explain the jeopardy of it, it, that became actually quite worrying, for me at least, with, with Justin, because I love Justin, I've got such a lot of time for him, and he was a, he's a brilliant photographer to have along on a trip like that, because he's got formerly, a real... Formerly war zone. War zone, he used to, so yeah, like, yeah anyone's and national newspapers and stuff. Some adverse exactly. conditions. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, um, but we, you, the, when you get up high... You get up much nearer the summit, and the wind the wind's way worse, but the wind means that the snow can't stick to the to the road anymore, so actually you get to this weird area where you're just driving across uh, across this thin veneer of ice mm. over the road, but as you go across, you see it all in the mirrors being because it breaks up under the tire under the studded tires, it would get ripped away, so mm. you'd see all this ice you'd hear it being mm. ripped away by the wind and after it, after the weird tires had gone over it. And it was just hostile. It was just blowing so viciously. 
Do you know what I was thinking yeah. the, the, this whole way through? Is it's such... I just, you didn't shoot video, did you? No, we didn't. No. So no. this was sort of pre-TG mm. editorial yeah. video we era. Do, I think we've got... We shot some clips and stuff, but I honestly mm. wouldn't even know where to find them. Well, is that, But I was also thinking, shame that there isn't video of this mm. because it's such an extreme yeah, st- extreme situation, but also a blessing that you weren't mm. shooting trying videos to do pieces and running to around trying to do pieces <laughs> to camera with your brain like functioning about 2%. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I... I'm in the car. It wouldn't have <laughs> <Yeah>. been. <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was. It was strange. But the the long and the short of it, between driving bits we could drive and getting towed up, we managed to get to the summit behind the behind the peace basher. Um, and but you you felt the car being moved around on the road. Just but the the the, the, the crosswinds were enormous. I've never felt anything like it. They let the guys up in the observatory later said it's blowing at sixty to seventy mile an hour today. We call that a mild day, but it's that it's that's fairly ferocious when you're so exposed. There's no cover or shelter whatsoever. We managed to get to the summit, but the weird thing about Mount Washington, the weather, it, the wind is so vicious up there that nothing is allowed to remain outside overnight. Mm-hmm. It, everything, the buildings are chained to the mountain. It, they're literally, there are enormous chains mm-hmm. over the buildings holding them down. It's ridiculous. And I said, well, have you got any garaging or anything we can park the Subaru in that we can leave it up here? Because they said, if you make it up here, you can stay up overnight because it's really, yeah. apparently it's amazing staying up, up there overnight. Well, he said, oh, it'd be amazing. Have you got anywhere we can... Can we leave the car up there? And they said, I'm really sorry, but all our safety equipment has to be able to get out in a certain order and therefore you can't park the car up. So the long and the short of it they, was they said, okay, well, tell you what. What we'll do is we'll drive the Subaru back down and then we'll give you a lift back up in the Peace Basher to spend the night. The journey down was way more hairy than the journey <laughs> up. So we had to drive it back down. So we got up to the summit. It was like, hey, we got to the summit. And then we went, well, we want to stay up here tonight, but that means we've got to get the car back down yeah. and then come back up in the Peace Basher. So we turned around and had to get pulled back down, but it's much more nerve-wracking being pulled downhill than uphill. Mm. Uphill, at least, you're, you've always the got that tension on the road. Or you just stop, you know. Yeah. Oh, we're bogged. Or yeah. Whatever. And down, when the rope goes slack and the car starts running away, you're thinking, oh, my God. And you're, what you're looking at is the back of a peace basher, which just looks like you're driving into a car crusher because you've got those enormous <laughs> tank trails going around. You're thinking, oh, I'm about to crash into the yeah. back of a peace basher. This is not a good look. Mm. But So we had this horrendous journey down where we, did, we didn't take any pictures on the journey down. It was, I think we just did everything on the way up. Yep. So we did have those stops and stuff on the way up. Got back down and then did a lifelong, lifetime ambition for me, which was riding in a peace basher Woo-hoo! all the way back to the summit, which yeah. was great because then you're in a machine that feels entirely suited yeah. for driving six miles up a desolate it? mountain. No. I bet you asked. I really did ask. Please, sir. It's so, it's Please, so sir, cool. Can I drive your Because he said as we go up, we'll, we'll just go and we'll smooth it all and everything. So you get these mounds of snow just rolling in front of the... Yeah, um, yeah it felt fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But we got to the summit. Um, I met the guys in the observatory, got back up there um, and gave them. And what I'd done, because I knew they needed supplies for the top, I had basically done the British survival pack. I had 
Marmite. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All, all the usual accoutrements, bit of Hellman's mayonnaise, oh, Hellman's mayonnaise, bit of mustard. Well, you've, got a, you've got a meal there, nearly. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was a particularly healthy meal, but so I took them this survival pack of British kit, tea bags and all the rest of it, um, which uh, they were uh, really appreciative of. It. Stupid question, but they're all Americans, aren't they? <laughs> all Americans, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of but they got it. One of them got yeast, very excited about Marmite. Mm. Justin, I hate Marmite, but uh, what? I hate it. I I'm can't, just gonna I can't move abide. Just a couple of centimetres further <laughs> yeah. away from you right now. This is. But Justin Layton was an absolute Marmite aficionado, and so was one of the guys in the observatory. So they were having this whole discussion about yeast-based spreads yeah. and all the rest of it. But we, the night we spent up there was, it's honestly one of the most special things I've ever done in this job because you, you're you up there and you feel like you're on a different planet because although you can look down from the summit and you see the twinkling lights below, they might as well, they're as distant as the stars in the sky at that point because there's no way that without that you could get out of there and walk back down to go to yeah, get yeah, down there yeah. you'd never make it because that night the we worked the with the wind chill it was i think it was like minus 50 or minus 55 or something it was so bitingly cold the wind was blowing at 60 or 70 miles an hour despite that justin and i spent probably more time outdoors than indoors because the light and the sunset that evening was just i've never experienced light like it it was just incredible looking at as the sunset and you get these shadows cast mm-hmm. and the winds all blowing and the wind was that strong that I, you could basically sit on the wind you could sort of we've got a picture of me sort of basically supported i've often by tried the wind. to do that um in the uk on a, mm. high, on a high wind day it never quite works no, no. you always fall backwards eventually. yeah 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 oh, so you're there you're you and we i had put in Everything I'd taken, I'd take, I think I had seven layers on. I had two or three layers of sort of trousers, silhouette, salopettes and long johns and mm-hmm. stuff. It was, everything was that... Was, was it freezing dark. cold and was it heated inside the yeah. station? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. The The observatory up there, they, they, when they, they've had one up there, there's some of the older buildings up there were built like in the Victorian times, in like 19th century. Mm. But those are the ones that are wooden and they are chained down. Um, this one now they built an observatory that's got, that's actually dug into the summit of the mountain. There's yeah, the, as you can see in that final picture, there's like a, there's a mast and the turret where they have all the weather monitoring stuff. And there's this big flat deck outside of where we were hanging around, but the actual um, uh, accommodation and offices and stuff are dug into the mountain, mm-hmm. so you are. You're tied down, and it's a, it's probably a bit like being in a submarine or something. You feel super secure inside it, but you are aware of this howling, this constant howling, because mm-hmm. you hear it sort of echoing through the little corridors yeah. and things. And it is, it's quite a cramped environment. There's no frills; it's just concrete walls. Yeah. Um, you didn't think so about bringing the comedy. Um, ten pound festival tent, throwing <laughs> it up in the air. <laughs> oh, there goes the kite. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, wow. so we did. Yeah, spent that night up there, and it was it was amazing actually. And just it, weirdly, just learning about stuff like the meteorology of it, and learning about that was 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 fascinating mm. just about why the winds move like they do about how bad it is here about what it's like spending time up there what they're monitoring and what they're measuring and why it's relevant and stuff half of which i really can't I think remember now but well, i think it's good you know as as brits we obviously 
um, talking about the weather is our number one topic mm. of conversation. We yeah. like nothing more than discussing in detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is what a great way to put the weather in perspective. You know, when mm. we're grumbling because it's a bit drizzly and yeah. six degrees outside. You know, <laughs> whatever. That's, that's, that's a there's a balmy day out. Time for a picnic. <laughs> Once you've experienced exactly. This. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I feel I've, mm. I've been in I've been in Dubai when it's been sort of forty five. Plus, yeah, and you just—it's—it's it's a different kind of heat. But yeah, it puts into perspective. Now, thirty, thirty-five, I can—I can handle it now. Yeah, because I've seen—I've seen the other side of the other side of it, other side of the beyond. Dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's—that's no. that's, mm. uh, utterly spectacular. I'm massively mm. jealous. I've now yeah. got this hankering to go and do some sort of adventure this year. We need mm. to—we um, need to sit down and come up with something equally as. What do you yeah. call it? Stupid. 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 It, it was a bit foolish, but they. I've fair play to all the people that allowed us and permitted us to do it, from Subaru USA to the guy who ran the auto road, guy called Howie, who was just a genius and was just well up for it. And you just think, that's brilliant. So to get to do something like that, and I would urge you to go and dig the story out on Top Gear website because it's... It's one of those. There's some great images that supported it. If you if you if you if you keep your old Top Gear magazines and you go back as far as I think it was June 2014, the story ran in. Mm. Um, then it's um, yeah, it's well worth digging out. Well, it's a fantastic story. Um, you live to tell the tale. Here you are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a little bit of frostbite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Justin, by the way, survived. Yeah, he did. He survived. Yeah, he did. And his nose Tough as his nuts. Nose, all right. Yeah, it's fine now. His I did get. We've got it. He's got an amazing picture of himself that I took. That I took yeah. on his camera of his no of his face and nose because it did. Yeah, it it's wearing. <laughs> I think <laughs> being exposed to weather like that. Well, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.